Before we get started today, I just want to remind you that we're in the middle of our annual raffle, and tickets are just $50, and it really helps support all the wonderful work that we're doing. If you buy a ticket today, I'll send you a personal thank you letter and a little gift. It's really easy. Just go to www.ndgraffle.com. That's ndgraffle.com. I'll be ever so grateful to you. Now let's get started. So that question again, any advice for dating in the age of COVID-19 and social distancing? Well, I happen to like this, well, sorry, back up. I don't like COVID-19. I don't like what's going on in the world. I'm very sad about it. But there is some silver linings in it. For example, when I was talking before about love and lust, we have a very difficult time, and, and a lot of the research is showing this, differentiating love and lust when it comes to physical touch. Physical touch allows us to confuse love and lust. So right now, for the couples that I've been setting up, I've been seeing a lot more success because they actually have to get to know each other. They're, they're FaceTiming, they're, they're Zooming, they're Skyping, they're, they're talking, they're having real conversations instead of first going for the physical. And so I think when it comes to infatuation, if you're someone, if, if what I was talking about tonight is resonating with you, if you're someone who does get infatuated easily, you shouldn't be going for physical relationships right away. The next question is, could you explain what it means when someone compliments you? I'm often confused about this. I'm not sure what, what you're referring to. Um, if you want, you can, you can send me a private message and you can clarify that. But what I'm gonna say is that very often, people who are really bad daters are really good husbands or wives because all of the skills that you need to be like a really good dater, if you know what I mean, are exactly the opposite of the skills that you need to be in a really good relationship long-term. So I would actually say, and I say this sometimes to people, that you want to try to focus and find someone who's not a good dater, who doesn't know how to date because they're probably going to be a good husband or wife. We don't know unless they've been in a, a serious relationship or a long-term relationship before, but most of the time, we don't know if the, what kind of spouse they're going to be. But we do know some indications. For example, we know what kind of relationship they have with their parents or their siblings, the people they have to be around. That usually gives us an idea of what kind of spouse they're going to be. And also, we know based on the kind of person they are. And if they're really good at dating, if they get used to dating, there are some people who get so used to dating that they can never get married because it's like a game to them, the dating game. Well, if, if, the, if you're dating someone who's very good dater into, into the dating game, they're not gonna commit. I'm sorry. I mean, it's gonna take a miracle to get them to commit. I'm sorry if I'm offending anyone. Actually, I'm not sorry if I offended you for that. Now, now I'm off the record. I can say whatever I want, right? <clears throat> um, I'm going to go through some of these other questions. Sorry. If love is purely giving and there's nothing in it for us, sometimes like a masochist concept then, then we all desire some form or aspects of infatuation. How do we have chemistry without infatuating? 
So I said that it, it can't be everything. It could be some. It, is a, it, it could be healthy if we know what that healthy is. We have to discern. We have to differentiate between it's not an all or nothing. Life is not a zero-sum game. We have to be able to discern. And this is where it's really important to have a good mentor or mashpia or someone who can guide you because that person is able to, if they really know you and you're able to, if you have a therapist or, or somebody who you can bear your soul to, they'll be able to get through the BS. And a lot of that, that uh, I, mean, I, was, I mean, a lot of that comes from a result of a lot of years of buildup and not knowing, and that's okay. A lot of people don't know. It's very common. But you need to have someone who can work with you on an individual level that will be able to get through your BS, who will be able to help you discern whether it's infatuation or it's a real relationship and it's the long-term type. Um, but the life... The question is, but the life come after the marriage. Oh, the love comes after the marriage. So love, yes, but if you're infatuated before, it will be hard after. That's true. Love does develop over time. And uh, I don't know if, it, you know, love is such a, a funny word because, like I said before, you love ice cream and, and you love your grandma. Like, uh, you love ice cream, you know, you, you can love a spouse and love ice cream. Love is such a, it's, it's such a, it's such a foolish word as far as because it has so many meanings, especially in the English language. I know in Spanish and in French, there's better words. Uh, there's, there's a lot of different words. I think Spanish has five different words for love. But of course, those are the love languages. So that makes sense. So love does develop over time, but I'm going to say it's more um, being comfortable with the person that develops over time. Being comfortable with the complementary elements of the person that develop over time. That is really what's developing. Trust is what develops over time. According to most studies, trust takes somewhere between seven to 10 years. Now, there are different levels of trust over the course of a relationship, and obviously there are things that people can do to, to, um, to counteract that. Now, I'm not saying that so that everybody's gonna be, oh my gosh, how am I ever gonna get into a relationship because trust takes seven to 10 years, that's crazy. But over the course of getting familiar with someone in a relationship, there are processes to it. And there is, there's, a, there's a skill base. It's not just talent. Let's talk about how to meet the man first. Yes, we will have to talk about how to meet the man first. And uh, if, you, uh, if I'm not currently helping you find someone, I'm happy to, uh, to try to see if I can help you find someone. What if you are not meeting people with whom you even have the basic 10 to 30% desire. What if you have 0% attraction for most people you meet despite being open-minded? Well, there's something called sologamy. You can get married to yourself. I actually am convinced that one day someone's going to come to me and say, Rabbi, can you please marry me to myself? If you have someone, if you are not finding attraction with anyone then you need a therapist. And that's okay. Therapy is a very, very good tool that uh, should be used when needed. And um, I definitely recommend it in situations like that. It's not possible that you don't have any attraction for anyone. Next question. There's a rush of an infatuation. How do you know? So two questions. Okay, how do you know if the relationship is going towards love and if there's no rush? So 
I think the answer to that, like I said before, is you need to have someone who you can bear your soul to. What I always say to people when they're in a dating process, if you're dating for long-term relationships, I'm not talking about dating for, uh, I don't know what they do today, but if you're dating for, for, for long-term relationships, you need three people in your life and no one else. You need a mentor, a therapist, somebody who is a top-down person, someone who you, you trust and respect what they say to the point where if they say something you don't like, you're going to listen to them. That's the kind of person, somebody who you trust to the point where if they say something you don't like, you're going to listen to them. The second person that you need is you need someone who their job, like a matchmaker or a shadchan, their job is to, is, is to be focused on the relationship. They don't take sides they are just the person whose job is to focus on the relationship. And their job is to push that relationship along. You need someone because you're going to have cold feet and it's emotions and you're running wild and you don't know what's going to be and it's going to be difficult. You need someone who's going to push it. That's the value of a matchmaker, a good matchmaker. And the third person is a friend. You need a friend. The friend, so like your mentor or your therapist is top down, your friend is horizontal. You need someone who's on the same level as you, who cares about you, who cares about you wanting to get married. By the way, there are some friends and some of them are, are, are not ill. I mean, they don't mean it on purpose. It's not ill intention. But some of them um, unconsciously or subconsciously don't want their friends to get married because they're afraid they're going to lose them. So you want a friend who wants you to get married. And that person could be on the same level as you and you're able to have a real honest conversation with them. There's a lot of emotions. If you're in a real relationship, there's a lot of emotions. You need to have the ability to be able to discern them and differentiate them. So that's what I would recommend. Those three people. And it's not a survey. Nobody else. Um, this question came in or comment. I don't know if it's a question. I would feel more secure in dating in today's world, getting to know the person first. I completely agree with that. I mean, now not getting to know them in a physical way because that's confusing love and lust, but getting to know them in a more... Uh, um, emotional, spiritual, intellectual way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. If one senses that they will become infatuated with a person based on physical look, should they give dating that person a shot? Physical attraction is very important. You should not be in a relationship with someone that you're not physically attracted to. That said, a lot of people don't know what they're physically attracted to. They think they're physically attracted to somebody, but it's imaginative because they've confused themselves based on experiences, based on the movies, based on so many other elements. So you have to, if you truly know what you're physically or who you're physically attracted to, then, um, then I wouldn't worry about it. But if you're asking the question, it means that you probably don't know who you're attracted to. And what I would say to you in that case is you need a really good mentor, a really good therapist, somebody who you can speak to, and you need to be able to give everything a try. And you have to be able to go into those relationships with a completely open mind. Because if what you're probably doing, if I can put words in your, in, in, in your mouth and you can send me a private message if I'm wrong, but what you're probably doing is when you get set up with someone or when you're going out with someone, you spend two or three days before that date figuring out why it's not going to work. And guess what? You become a self-fulfilling prophet. 
because you get to that date and it doesn't work. Of course it doesn't work because it was never going to work because you decided before you even started it wasn't going to work. So if you're doing that, then what you have to do is exactly the opposite. Maimonides, the Rambam says that if you want to change a, a part of your nature, you have to go to the opposite extreme. I would say take everybody and go into those relationships with an open mind. Go into that dating with an open mind, completely open. And then, I'm not saying the first one, maybe even the first one, but someone is going to catch your attention. Someone is going to catch your, 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 your attraction. Uh, question two from this other person. They said they had two questions. What does someone who is looking for love rather than lust look like? Someone who's looking for love is someone who is looking to give and not someone who's looking to receive. Now, as to the other comment before, it's true that it's really, really difficult if you're in a one-sided relationship. And sometimes you do get into that one-sided relationship where you're giving and the other person's not receiving, but then I have a secret for you. It's not a relationship. If you're giving and giving and giving and you're not getting anything in return, then that person is a narcissist and get out of the relationship. If you give to someone and you're in a relationship with that person, there's going to be no choice. That person is going to give back. Now, you don't do it to give back. It's not a tit-for-tat world. But it's going to happen. That's the nature of relationship. So love is where you are selfless. And you, you can become vulnerable next to that person as time goes on and as the relationship develops. Because you, you, you're not worried about leaning on them. Because they will lean on you in return. Um, someone says, I guess there's hope for me as a spouse. I'm happy to hear that. What are your thoughts on people who date but don't seem to want to date or put in the work to connect and essentially show minimal interest and effort? How do you recommend navigating that if you are on the receiving end? That is a fantastic question. There are, um, it's a very big problem in the dating world where people are just... We're so used to the instant gratification, the swiping right, the swiping left. I mean, I've set up people who, you know, an hour into the day, like, okay, I've got a date in an hour from now. I got to go. You went on a date with someone and you have another date afterwards. By the way, this is New York. Montreal, this doesn't happen. But uh, that's, uh, that's crazy. So, um, yes, it could be that there's somebody that you like and they are just not interested in a relationship. And you know what? That's okay. You can't force them to be interested in a relationship. If you are falling or getting into relationships with people who don't want to date and they don't want to put in the effort, they don't want to put in the time, then, I mean, I would say that you should have a good matchmaker. A good matchmaker will be able to discern that, will be able to say, I mean, if, if someone is not putting the time in, you know, someone messages me that I, and, and I set them up, I, I'll call the person and ask them point blank, like, is this important to you? I understand you're busy, but in my humble opinion, the most important thing that we should be doing in our adult life is getting married. Everything else is secondary. It, it, that's the Jewish way. In Judaism, the most important thing you should be doing in your adult life. And I know there's a lot of people who have, who have, who have, who have used their careers and they, they, <clears throat> they, um, they, they put their careers before their relationships. You cannot be totally focused on your career and totally focused on your relationship and they're both going to work. One at a time. If you decide that I'm focusing on my career now, 
don't try to get into a relationship. It's not fair to the other person. You're not going to have time for them. So if you replace your relationships with your career, then just be, just be honest about it and say, I'm just not ready right now for a relationship. It's supposed to be the most important thing I should be doing in my adult life, but I'm not ready for it because I have chosen my career over that. And the best thing is, is knowing where you are and being honest with where you are today. That's the, that's the most important thing. The next question. I seem to attract a lot of men that just turn me off. How do you write a profile to attract the right kind of person? Ah. Well, you have to first ask yourself, what is turning you off about that men? And is it, this may be a tough question for you, but is it the men or is it you? I'm going to say this to you. And I'm going to say it, there's, I, I, I try to be very loving and caring when it comes to some things, but some things I have to just say them as they are. You are the f- common denominator in all your failed relationships. You are the common denominator in all your failed relationship. If you failed, it's your fault. Stop blaming it on other people. Stop blaming it on your dad or your dog or your spouse or your somebody else. It's your problem. Because they're not there right now. It's you. You're left with it. There's a story that is told in almost every community. But we tell it in the Jewish community also. But I know it's told in every community. It's about two rabbis that are walking past the river and a woman is drowning. And the one rabbi jumps in and saves the woman and, you know, makes sure that she's okay. About a half an hour into their walk, the other rabbi turns to him and says, Don't you know it's against the Torah to touch a woman? And he turns to him and says, I put her down a half an hour ago. You'll start carrying her. If you're still carrying your relationship, then it's your fault. You have to go through that process. You have to go through that grieving process. So I say to you, you are the common denominator in all your failed relationships. It's not the other person's fault. It's your fault. You were in it. I don't tango, but somebody said it takes two to tango. Do you think that, um, do you think you can have infatuation, you can be infatuated with infatuation? Yes. Usually people who are infatuated are infatuated with infatuation. Why? Because it's instant gratification. They love the high. Infatuation is an addiction. If If you have an addictive gene, we know about addiction now. We've done so many studies on that. So we know that there are people who have addictive genes. People who have addictive genes usually fall for infatuation because it's an addiction. It's a high. Um, okay. Should you see the guys, then sorry, trying to marry for personality, but need some attraction. So I need therapy, huh? I guess that's a, someone trying to, okay. Um, so would you be considered the matchmaker or the one who will push the relationship forward? So um, the matchmaker's job, if very often, like I, I make suggestions, I don't get involved. You know, after I make a suggestion between, for two people, I usually don't get involved unless they ask me to. So, um, but the job of a good matchmaker would be to continuously keep up with the relationship and to push the relationship forward. That would be the job of a matchmaker. 
I don't consider myself a matchmaker. I consider myself a suggester, meaning that I put people together and, I, and then what you do from that is, is, your, is your choice. Um, what does someone who was looking for love rather than lust look like? Oh, I think somebody already, that question was already asked. Okay. So mentor, the, uh, theorist, mentor or friend, what if you can't afford a therapist? Um, what if you can't afford a therapist? Yeah. Um, there are, I mean, here in Montreal, there are uh, services in the Jewish community that allow people to be able to get subsidized therapy. I'm sure in other cities, there are similar types of services in the Jewish community. Thank God we have a beautiful community that gives, that, that gives those kind of services to us, and I would recommend them because if you need a therapist, it's an invaluable resource. And somehow, and I'm not saying that, you know, if you really can't put food on your table, that's, that's a whole different story, but somehow we, we often have money for whatever we want to have money for. And I would say this is more important than all those other things. I can't quit my job or career so I can date. Okay. That's a great acknowledgement. No one asked you to quit, but we did ask you to make it a priority. You can have your head in your career or your head in your dating. You have to decide because your head can't be, it cannot be the number one priority. You can't have two number one priorities in your life. Career and dating are both number one priorities. One of them has to be a number one and number one, and the one of them has to be number two. And if you're looking for marriage, if relationship and dating is number two, then it's not gonna happen because you're not gonna be able to make the, enough time for it. Is it about being in a relationship and getting married? Career isn't affected. Um, it takes a lot of work in the beginning. You need to make it a priority. The other person's not gonna wait around for you to have uh, you know, once, in a, once in a blue moon time to be able to meet with them. They're gonna get annoyed very quickly. I hear it so often. The person has no time for me. I would say it's the number one thing that I hear now from people. The person that you set me up with has no time for me. And I call that person and I have to say, what's going on? Do you have time for this person? Are you interested in a relationship or not? Okay. Going off on what you just said about either focusing on career or relationship, how does one focus on the relationship without waiting around? Guess it just doesn't seem like it's productive to turn down a job contract for the hope that you might get married within that time frame. I agree. If you're a certain age, it doesn't make sense. But again, it's, about, it's not about one or the other. You could do both. You could take the job contract and you could be that you don't have your entire number one focus. It could be your number two focus. What I would recommend if you're looking to get married, that relationships be your number one focus and your career be your number two. Career has that kind of, of ability to be a number two. You don't have to make it. Most people make it number one because they want to rise to the top. But you can just do the bare minimums and keep your job. Relationship doesn't have that flexibility. You need to be able to give it your all. I'm constantly told, this person says, to be less picky and date everyone, but I've gotten set up with psychos and stalkers. Each time the references said the guy was great, seems to me that it is perfectly rational to be extra careful about giving your number to strangers. I would say absolutely be extra careful about giving your number to strangers, and you should definitely make sure that if you're getting, if you're getting set up with psychos or stalkers, 
then you have to ask your que- a question. You see, if, if the same thing is happening, if you're the common denominator in it, then you have to say that it's about me. It can't always be about the other person. Again, I'm not talking to the other person, to the psycho and the stalker. I'm talking to you. So you, it's very, very easy for you to start saying, you know, this person is a psycho and a stalker, but what, why are you getting set up, set, up, set up with that person? What's attracting you to that person? Um, but definitely, I understand that a lot of people have their guard up, and that's why you need to have somebody who looks out for you so you don't have to constantly have your guard up. Not necessarily, Rabbi, a person uh, is abuse, not a good, uh, if a person is an abusive relationship, is not a good relationship. I didn't talk about abuse tonight, but absolutely. Abuse um, is a whole different conversation. What does that have to do with writing a profile, Rabbi? Seriously, that was not a good answer. Oh, when I answered you about the profile. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, I was saying way before the profile. I was saying that this is what you have to do before the profile. You have to ask yourself, you know, who it is that I'm looking for. Then you can write a profile. So I have a, an exercise that I, that I can send you um, that would help you write your profile. And it's a six-part exercise. And if you email me, you have my email because you got an email from me to get onto this class. So you all have my email. Just email me and ask me for that exercise. It's, a, it's a, the five-part exercise that is going to help you know how to write a profile, how to know. Really, it's more than writing a profile. It's how to know the person you're looking for who you're actually looking for. And um, I, I'm, I'm happy to send that to you. Um, in response to what you just said, oh, it looks like I got some comments over here from my, uh, from my rant before, um, about being the common denominator. Sometimes that's why people avoid relationships altogether. Why would we want to get into a relationship if we are the common denominator that will make it not work? It's very hard to work and that therapy doesn't always fix fully. It is true. You're 100% right. If that is your case, then you, again, you need to be that kind of person that goes into the relationship with an open mind. You need to make yourself vulnerable. And yeah, maybe you're going to get your heart broken again. But you know what? You'll, you never know if you don't try. You, you, you can't always be. You, you, if you know what you're looking for, if you know what you did wrong before, if you, if you take all of those experiences and you find like a really nice cloth bag, like a nice cloth bag. And, and, and you put them all in the cloth bag and you get a nice heavy rope and you tie the rope around the bag and, 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 you, uh, and you put a stick through the rope and you put it over your shoulder. That would be the greatest thing. Take all those experiences and put them over your shoulder. And every so often, you'll take them from over your shoulder and you'll take, a, you'll take it down and you'll untie the rope and you'll open it up and you'll learn from what happened to you in the past. But don't wear it on your forehead. Don't let those experiences narrate your future. They're the past. You're supposed to learn from them and put them over your shoulder and keep them in the past. Don't allow those experiences to narrate your future. Don't allow it. You need to let all those past experiences exist. You need to learn from them. You have to keep them over your shoulder, but don't wear them on your forehead. Next question. How can I find a mashpia that has time? And can you suggest me one? I can. And you know what I suggest people who are into mashpia? And I know this is a very difficult thing, but you, um, some, some mashpiyam, they are involved in different organizations. You help them. You, you, give, you, know, you give back to them. You take care of them. And they'll find time for you. It's amazing. 
And that's sometimes what happens. If you really want to have a good mentor, you need to take care of them. Make time for both. How should you date before getting married? How long should you date before getting married? So my, my, um, my, my talk next Wednesday night about, about dating is going to have all that kind of stuff. How long to date, the kind of dating, I'm going to, I'm going to leave that for next week. Therapy isn't always the solution. I am a normal, nice-looking, sorry to brag, and I have a great, fun personality, but not getting guys that are, have the same attributes, any suggestion, seems that all the good guys are married. Well, if you're going to have that attitude, then you're right, because you will be your own self-fulfilling prophet. Whatever you say is right. If all the good guys are married, then you're right. All the good guys are married. But you know what? There's got to be somebody out there for you. So it sounds to me like you just gave up before you even started. Or maybe you gave up after you started. But if you're going to give up, and if you're going to go into this dating process one foot in and one foot out, then you're not going to get anywhere. Nothing's going to happen. And you know what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to try to protect yourself, so you're going to spend days... Figuring out why it's not going to work out before you date. And then you're going to go on the date and guess what? Boom! It's not going to work out. You know why? Because it wasn't going to work out to begin with because you decided it wasn't going to work out before you even started. So whatever you say, it's true. And what I want you to do when you say that, I'm not trying to be tough on you. I am trying to be tough on you. But... I'm not only trying to be tough on you. I'm very proud of you for being so honest. And you have to say, this is where I'm holding now. I'm holding here right now. It's amazing that you're being so honest. And, and if you think that all the good guys are married, then you're being honest with yourself. And if you want to get married, you're going to have to change that. So the best place is to start from the truth, from your truth. There is no the truth. I mean, there is the truth, but that's, a, for, that's existential and that's a different conversation. But your truth is that all the good guys are married. And if that's your truth, then start from there. And if you want to get married, you're going to have to change that truth because you want to find a good guy. It's that simple. Is strong physical attraction an indicator of infatuation? which we should be careful with. So I don't know what you mean by strong physical attraction, but if, you're in, if you are attracted to somebody and you, if I ask you, like let's say I'm your mentor or I'm, I'm your therapist, let's say, and I'm going to ask you, why are you attracted to that person? And you're going to say, oh my gosh, he's amazing. He's wonderful. He's great. He just, you know, I, 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 if you can't quantify it, it's, 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 it's infatuation. You need to be able to quantify your attraction. And I know it's hard, it's an emotion, but you need to be able, through a process, to be able to know that this is my, this is why I'm attracted to this person. I'm attracted to this because I find a complementary element in this person that I see in myself. There's a reflection within myself and that attracts. Remember, opposites don't attract, similarities attract. So if similarities attract, you're going to find something that's familiar to you in that person, and it's really important to bring that out and to talk about that. Um, idea. 
it's a good way to meet guys just having these Zoom calls. Let's do more um, Zoom calls with singles and age brackets. I'm happy. If you want to arrange it, I'm game. I am sitting here in front of my computer all day talking to people, uh, matching people, helping people, counseling people. It'd be my pleasure to do more of these. If, I, if, if there's a need for it, I'm game. Um, as adults, we are all self-sufficient. What incentive do people have to get into a relationship? I feel like people are not really looking to give. I cannot agree with you more. For those of you who don't know, I decided, I've been talking about it for years, but I decided over quarantine to write a book. And I have just completed the rough draft of my, my book, my first book called Why Bother Getting Married? And one of the statements that I make in the premises of this book is exactly this, that today we're so self-sufficient that we're married to ourselves. We don't need others anymore. And in order to get married, in order to get into a relationship, you need to be missing something. You need to need something in the other person. And if you don't need something from the other person, if you, if you are complete on your own, then you're never going to be able to get into a relationship with someone else. Sometimes, sometimes you literally need to clear out half of your closet. You need to sleep on one side of your bed. You need to make your living space feel like there's something missing in your life, literally missing in your life. You have to feel that missing. And if you don't, you're going to have a really hard time. So um, I'm really hoping, uh, depending on uh, the publisher now and the editor, but... Uh, it should be out uh, in, in, early, in early February of next year, but a pre-release should be out uh, at the end of the summer. Probably end of August, we'll have a pre-release available of this, uh, of this book. And actually, I, I signed a contract with this publishing agent for three books. So I'm going to be writing this. I just finished. And I just started uh, a book on dating. I'm going to be writing a dating guide. And then afterwards, I'm writing a third one called We're Engaged, Now What?, which is my book for engaged couples, um, which I think is important. Anyway, um, is strong physical attraction an indicator of infatuation? What you would be careful with? I already did that, sorry. Uh, okay. Is that it? Okay, that is all of the questions. I thought there were more questions here. Okay, that, that is all the questions. What I will do right now um, if I missed your question, just re-ask it and I will, I will identify it. But, uh, am I supposed to be putting myself out there as a giver? I don't want to seem desperate. I don't know why dating became a game and people feel like they seem desperate. You don't, you can be a kind, gentle sweet person without feeling desperate. And if you tend, if you feel like you are going to that extreme, then just acknowledge that. Acknowledge that you're going to the extreme. You don't have, you can be a giver and not be desperate. You say, um, kind, gentle, and sweet is not good enough. People want more. No. I don't know. Like I told you before, the good daters are the ones that don't get married. 
I like the bad daters. The people who don't know how to date are the ones that get married because all of the talents and skill that you need for dating is exactly the opposite of all the talents and skill that you need to be in a long-lasting and healthy relationship. So I want to see the people who are really bad daters. If you're a bad dater, the odds are you can be married within a year. How do you know if you're being too picky and how do you overcome that? Um, well, you have to start off. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I told you before, I'll send you that, um, the five-part exercise about how to know what you're looking for. A lot of people I find when they come to me, they have no idea what they're looking for. So you need to go through the process of knowing what you're looking for first. And then you can, um, and then you can know if you're being too picky. See, if a lot of people, if the right person came along, they wouldn't even know. You know, there's a study, you know, John Gottman. John Gottman is a, is a scientist that spent the past 30 years um, developing the science. He, he, he lives in Seattle. He's actually, Jew, he's a Jewish guy. He wears a kippah. He's not religious, but he wears a kippah. Uh, I've met him a number of times. A great guy. I've had many conversations with him. I actually interview him for my book. And um, so, so he says in one of his studies that if you're 35 and you've never been married, there'll be four people that you have dated that you could have married. So with that kind of information, if you're an older single, the odds are that you have no idea what you're looking for. So you got to start by knowing what you're looking for. I know I offended some people there. I'm not sorry. Um, next, how do you know if you are being too picky and how to overcome that? Oh, sorry, I did that already. How do you define a bad dater? Um, a bad dater is a player. Do I have to define that more? I think we all know what that is. Somebody who's good at dating. Somebody who is into the dating game, who's into the dating scene, who is... Uh, a good dater. Good daters are bad husbands. Sorry for stereotyping, men. What else? Any other questions? This has been fantastic. Great questions. Really great. Um, I met people who wanted more than kind and gentle. They want generosity, they want service, they want intelligence. They're a hard worker, um, uh, they want it all. Is it, possible? Is it possible to give? I don't know who these people are that you're meeting but, and in what context you're meeting them, but if that's the case, then they're not looking for a wife, they're looking for a maid. So just tell them that, I mean, I mean that's not a relationship. You, you can't have it all. You, you need to know what you're looking for. Usually there's, there, there's three things you can't live with and three things you can't live without and the rest of it is gravy. It's really hard. Oh, somebody asked me when to settle. I hate that term. No one ever has to settle. What do you mean settle? You're not settling. If you know what you're looking for, if you know the kind of person who compliments you, who's the right person for you, you're going to get exactly that person. It's so funny. There's so many people who I've done this exercise with over the past 10 years. And they always say the same thing to me. I got exactly what I was looking for and nothing more. 
because the person who's gonna be your complement is gonna be exactly what you're looking for, but you gotta know what you're looking for. What else? I can take a few more questions, but we have like maybe five minutes left if you have any questions. You say it's hard to be yourself. It's hard to be yourself. It's hard to know yourself. It takes, you know, we're, we're either going up and down in our life. We're never stagnant. If you're not actively going up, you're passively going down. And that's just the reality. It's really, really hard to know yourself. It's hard to be yourself. And that's the reality. Um, you can be everything you're looking for, but the attraction is not there. That's what I meant by settling. Okay. So if it's everything you're looking for and the attraction is not there, then it's something wrong with you or with what you're looking for. Either it's something wrong with maybe you intellectually are attracted to one kind of person and you're emotionally attracted to somebody else. So there's a, there's a, there's a difference between what you know you want and what you feel you want. That's going to be a problem. Or what you think you, you're looking for is not really what you're looking for because you're not attracted to it. Um, some people say that marriage, that a marriage is like, it's, we just consider it as a business. I really hope not. That is not a good idea. I'm not sure what they mean when they say that, but that's not a good idea. Um, where's the best place to take someone on a first date? I don't know where you are, but the best place to take, I would say a first date should be a place where you can have a very easy, open, free-flowing conversation. It should be comfortable for the woman. The man can make himself comfortable anywhere. I'm generalizing because I'm in a group. Um, but the man can make himself comfortable anywhere, but it should be a place that's comfortable for the woman. And the second date should be a shared experience because you need to be able to, to... That shared experience is such a... That's where the passion and the romance and the attraction will lie in that shared experience. So don't just find the place that you can just talk. You need to also find the place that you can have a shared experience. I'm gonna talk a lot more about that next week. There's a wonderful book, The Paradox of Choice. It is a great book. And there's a good quote there from the book. The secret to happiness is low expectations. <laughs> um, it, that's a, it, it, is it a good book? It's, 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 um, it's got some good stuff in it, yeah. Definitely has some good stuff in it. And that's a great quote. Um, low expectations, yeah. I mean, if you, if you keep your expectations too high, then, you know, it's not about expectations or not expectations. It's about knowing what you're looking, what you want. You know, not what you want, knowing what you need. Sorry, you're not going to get what you want. You never get what you want in any, anything in life. You're going to get what you need. You're going to get the compliment of yourself. You're going to get the person who compliment, who's, who's complimentary to you. Not the person you want, the person you need. Um, so if bad daters are good marriage partners, how do they know when to marry? Do they have many bad dates? Bad daters need a good mashpia, a good mentor, a good therapist. They need a good friend and a good matchmaker. And they'll be okay. Three people and nobody else, like I said before. So we, we put bad daters through a good process and they become good husbands and wives. Because they'll... If, if you're a bad dater, you're the kind of person who's like, please, I don't want to go. Can we, I just skip to the, to the chuppah? There are people who tell me that. Please, can I skip to the chuppah? That means you're a bad dater. And if you're, if you're that kind of person, you need to make sure to surround yourself with three good people. A good friend, a good mentor, and a good matchmaker. 
So if bad daters are, uh, so, okay, what if the woman is more successful than the man? It's very common today. And men sometimes feel emasculated because of that. Um, uh, so so um, uh, maybe I'll talk about this a different week, the big five. So there's, there's, there's five different, um, there's, big, there's five different personality um, uh, uh, styles. So it's, it's actually, there's a psychologist named Gordon Alport he started it. Today, um, Jordan Peterson, who's at the University of Toronto, he's become very well-known recently, uh, he expands on it. There's some really great books on it. So, so I, I, I created a, um, an exercise using the Big Five. Maybe we'll do it here one time um, in, this, in, the, in, in this class. I think it's really important. That's going to answer your questions because um, if, if the woman is more successful than the man, then she needs a different kind of man. She needs a man that can handle a woman who's more successful than him. There are some men who like that. And you're going to know from the big five. And we can talk about that. Somebody, uh, if that's important to you, please send me an email on that and I will make sure to make that a topic in the future. Uh, Rabbi, how can you be yourself if you want to date someone you feel is better than you? That's beautiful. That's yourself. Start from there. You want to date someone who's better than you. So every person you date should be better than you. Which means if you're dating them, it means they're better than you. That's not settling down. That's settling up. I like that. I like settling up. You should always think that your date is better than you. Um, I think checking references is a must. By the way, it saves a lot of time and investment. Yeah. Some people, in the, if you're in that process where you're checking references, some people don't have that luxury. But if you're able to check a reference of somebody before you date them, it's a great idea. What's the name of the book again? Which book? My book? My book, the one that's coming out is called Why Bother Getting Married. Well, that's the working title for it. It may change. Um, if meeting long distance over a computer, how many times to speak before meeting? Well, today, you know, there's not that much of a choice. I think as long as possible, really. I mean, today, with if you see, I don't, think you should be calling people today. You should be seeing their face if you're dating them. So if you're in a good situation, I think that you should, you, you, you can, you can, I've seen it work very well for a while, especially now that a lot of us are isolated. This could be a great opportunity for good dating. Can there be a sort of relationship if there's a long distance separating us? No dating so far. We're getting to know each other. I think, and similar to my, some interesting two questions came right after each other. Um, yes, I think that you are able to find what you're truly attracted to. You're able to find um, things that are mutually beneficial for each other without getting to the physical. And the physical confuses love and lust. You think you're in love, but really you're lusting each other. And you don't want that. Because that's, that's good if you want a two-hour relationship like I spoke about earlier tonight. But if you want a long-lasting relationship, you need to be able to know what love looks like. What is a mashpia? A mashpia is a mentor. Thank you for asking that. If meeting long distance and neither can travel due to COVID-19, what are your suggestions in terms of meeting? Zoom, Skype is not the same as in-person meeting. It's true it's not the same. It's not the same, but it could be better if you're looking for a long-term relationship. That's what I'm saying. The, the, the Zoom and the Skype actually could be better for you because in person, you're looking for that electromagnetic energy 
and that's going to confuse you. You can actually get to know who a real person is over the Zoom or the Skype. So for people who are, who are nervous and they're saying, well, it's not the same. Yeah, it may not be the same as you've done in the past, but guess what? Where are you today? Are you married? So maybe what you've done in the past hasn't worked out for you. Let's try something different. Zoom and Skype, COVID-19 could have been the greatest gift for you because you may find your true love through this process because you can't touch them. Um, how can a person find a good matchmaker who understands what they are doing and are also a good judge of people? There's a lot of very good matchmakers out there. If you need um, a suggestion for a good matchmaker, send me a, send me a message and I'll, and I'll send you. I have some, ma some matchmakers that I, I think are very good. And I believe that matchmaking is not only a talent, it's about 25% talent and 75% skill. I'm actually I'm working on a bunch of different projects, but one, of the, one project I'm very passionate about that I'm working on is a matchmaking institute uh, to be able to teach matchmakers. Because to do one or two or three, that maybe talent, that may be good. But if you get to the point where you're doing 15, 20, I just had my 67th engagement. It's not, it's not talent anymore. It's just, it's a, there's a skill to it. Um, how to settle a, a discrete between what you emotionally want or religiously, ideologically aspire to? Yes, that is gonna be one of the questions I'm going to discuss next week. Your emotions versus your intellect what you emotionally want versus your ideology. That is fantastic. Absolutely. That is very, very important. So um, definitely going to discuss that next week. I like listening, so I prefer someone who can talk a lot, but I'm not talkative. When I talk, it seems boring for the other person. That's fine. You are an introvert and you're looking for an extrovert. Now, the way that the big five works, and we're gonna do this one time, but it's on a scale from zero to 40. So 40, let's say is an extrovert, and zero is an introvert. You could be, let's say, in a, in a 15, and the other person can be like in a 25. So you, you need someone that's more, more extroverted than you. And that's going to be fine for you. So that's it. That's a, see, often people say these to me as negative, negativities, because we have a negative bias towards ourselves sometimes. Or we have a positive bias towards ourselves. But gen generally, I find people have a negative bias towards themselves. So you're saying that as a negative bias. Actually, it's great. You know why? Because you know yourself. You know that you're not a talkative person, so you know the complement of who you are is going to be someone who is more extroverted than you. Fantastic. That's great. The more you know yourself, the more you can find the part of you missing. Remember, according to Judaism, according to Hasidus, according to Kabbalah, we are two halves of a single whole. So if together we make a whole unit, we need to each be a half. So right now you are just half of your ideal state, which means if you're a more opposite Sorry, if you're a more introverted person than the other half of your whole, the complementary, not the opposite. Someone said, I thought opposites don't attract. They don't. We're not talking about opposites. We're talking about if, like, let's say I use the big five when I matchmake. I'm going to give you um, one of the things that I teach matchmakers is how to use the big five in matchmaking. So when we do that session together, I'm going to show you how that works. So if you are uh, more on the introvert, one of the big five, number five is introvert versus extrovert. So if you're more on the introverted side, you need someone that's more on the extroverted side. That's the complement. If the big five is a whole and you're half, then you need someone who's going to be the other half. Not the opposite, but the other half. So the more you know about yourself, if you know that about yourself, 
That is fantastic. Um, thanks to COVID, I tried something new, talking on the phone before meeting. One girl judged me before seeing, maybe Skype or Zoom would be better than a call in first impression. Yeah, it, it, I, I apologize for that. Um, I don't know what kind of, you know, who, if maybe you need a matchmaker to, to help kind of break the ice over there, but I do apologize for that. Um, where can we obtain a copy of this recording? So I don't have this. The second half of tonight is off the record. It's not recorded, but the first half is recorded. I did not record this. I actually, the reason why I didn't record is I thought people were going to be talking. So I didn't want to record it. But the truth is I probably could have recorded it and I probably should have recorded it. But uh, if anybody secretly recorded it, let me know <laughs> so that we can send it out. But I'm going to send out an email tonight to everyone who signed up for this course. And you're going to have at least the first half of my talk, the first hour. And if somebody secretly recorded it, send it to me. I won't tell anyone, but I'll send it out to everybody. Um, in the book, The 80-20 Principle, The Secret to Achieving More with Less, there is a reference to a village theory. We have only a limit number of people for equality relationships. What do you think about that? The balance of quantity versus quality. I do, I, I have read the 80-20 principle um, and I do, I have heard that. And again, what you see, what we're doing is we're trivializing something that is not to be trivialized. We're, we're, we're you know, you're starting to say, you know, somebody, somebody once told me, um, you know, there's only one Basharat out there for me. You know, you know, we have this whole idea of Basharat, that there's the one, the destined one, that the idea is that the Talmud says that before we were born, the, that our soul is divided and, and we have to go searching for the other half of our soul. And so everyone's looking for their Basharat. And I, and I said to the person, I don't believe in Basharats because if you're holding out for that number one and you're trying to make it a trivial thing, you're missing the entire point of what it is. You're not looking, yes, there is only one person, but you want to look again for the compliment of who you are. There's somebody there that's gonna make you happy. There's someone there that's gonna do something so powerful. And the most powerful thing of all, and something that a lot of single people are really feeling right now, and that's an end to your loneliness. And that's really what you want at the end of the day. You just want an end to your loneliness. It's so hard right now. People are so lonely. I feel so bad for people. I was crying before Pesach, looking at pictures on Facebook of people with their Seder for one. It's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not what life is supposed to be. I, it's the first time in my children's life that they had a Seder of just our family. They never had it. My kids wouldn't know what to do with themselves. We're not supposed to have a Seder for one. We're all looking for a lot of little things. We're supposed to be looking for one big thing and that is an end to our loneliness. And if you keep that focus and all you want is an end to your loneliness, you're gonna find the right person. Do these, these days matchmakers aren't what they used to be. They don't really know two people. They put them together for age and distance. Why can't the Shadkan do their job and interview with the good old days? I'm gonna say that these, these days singles aren't what they used to be. They have a lot more stuff going on. Whether or not the matchmakers are or aren't what they used to be, it doesn't even matter because we're dealing in a very different playing field uh, as, as, as it was. This is not the shtetl. This is not Fiddler on the Roof anymore at all and and we and we know that and um if you give it the time of day and you give it the proper respect the matchmaker will as well that's what i'll tell you 
So it takes two. You know, we become the complement. We, how you look at others is how they're going to be. So if you say that the matchmakers aren't what they used to be, you're right. But if you take the time and you thank the matchmaker and you give them the proper, the proper respect that they deserve, people out of the kindness of their heart are taking of their time to help you. And I want to tell you, it is the most thankless job there is. You just get grief. So you think the matchmakers aren't like they used to be? I say the singles aren't like they used to be. I bet the singles used to be much more appreciative of the matchmakers doing what they did. It's God's work. The Talmud says that after the destruction of a temple, God spends his time matchmaking. This is God's work. They do it for the right intentions. So I believe the singles also have to have the right intentions. Is that the end of uh, the end of the questions? I think uh, I think we've exhausted all the questions. I mean, we can go on all night, but sometime we have to end. So um, I thank you all for uh, spending this time together. I uh, I hope that you took some nuggets from this. I hope that I wasn't too harsh on you. If I was, I want to apologize, but I'm not going to because someone has to say it. So if it if it if it rub you the wrong way, it's because it matters. And I, w- I hope that you can, instead of folding your arms and not listening, but listen to yourself, listen to your heart, listen to your soul. And I guarantee you that there's somebody great out there for you. And you just have to believe it. And you're going to find somebody there. There is somebody out there. You have to find it like you're finding something you lost. And you do nothing. You, don't, you make sure you don't let any stone unturned. It has to be the most important thing you do in your adult life. And with that, I wish you a great evening. And uh, I will be sending out a follow-up email with the recordings. I hope the recordings, if somebody secretly has the other one. And um, I also send you a link to sign up for next week's class, which is, again, it's going to be, um, the topic next week is going to be a continuation of this one. Are you realistic with your dating? And uh, I'd love to hear your feedback, your comments, your ideas. With that in mind, I wish you all a good night. Peace out. If, uh, if you have, send me an email. You'll need to send me an email. Just uh, I'll send it. If you want any of my exercises, just send me an email and I'll send them to you. No problem. I have them all ready to go. Have a good night, all. Bye.